Hey everybody, Francesca here reminding you that I will be in Sacramento at the SAC Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with none other than Matt Lieb. That's right, we are co-headlining. It'll be super fun. It is St. Patrick's Day, so I guess we're all drinking, maybe? Anyway, get your tickets. There should be a link in this description, and I hope to see you there. All the studies show it doesn't work, and it couldn't possibly work because it it just imagines that this is like accidental unconscious racism by a few individual officers, which ignores the explicit racism, mm -hmm. the structural racism, and the way in which our politicians have created a racist mission for the police. Welcome to Situation Room. My name is Francesca Fiorentini. Thank you so much for being here, Fran Tifa. What is going on? Hello, everyone on Twitch and on YouTube. Oh my God, can you like the stream? Can you share the stream? Can you ring the bell? Can you get all the notifications to all your inboxes that you don't check? Um, uh, I'm feeling good. Thank you guys for skipping the Golden Globes for this. They're all at home anyway. You know, it doesn't, you're not missing anything. You'll see the best of the dressed later. Um, you know, it'll be, it'll be fine. I just want Jillian Anderson and Daniel Kaluuya. I don't know how to say his name, Kaluuya, to win. Maybe Lakeith Stanfield too. He's amazing. We'll talk about it later. You can, you can tell I just want to talk about the Golden Globes, but we're not going to do that. We've got such a great show. We get to talk about... Um, the Golden Woes, also known as CPAC, the conservative political, I don't give a fuck. Um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the anti-trans assholes in Congress and, of course, Governor Cuomo. Um, and joining us is comedian Baron Vaughn. I'm so excited to have him here. And also uh, Professor Alex Vitale. Um, we're also going to uh, he's going to talk to us about policing in the United States. It's a conversation we need to keep having. Um, and he wrote a book called The End of Policing. And so I'm very curious and excited to have him lay out that argument that I think more and more people are understanding is kind of the way we need to go, of course. Uh, and um, so I'm excited to talk to him about that. And then we're going to end this whole thing by looking at what is good. We're bringing back the segment, what's good? So I want everyone right now, just think about to yourself, what is good? All right? Save it for the chat. Not now. Now we're going to be bitching. But later, later we're going to talk about what is good. Um, and, and I just want to also say that if you are watching this or listening to this in the future, give us five stars on iTunes as a podcast. That really, really helps. And all of your reviews are so, so sweet. They mean the world to me. I read them all and smile. And I think, man, I can't wait to go outside, but this review will be good enough. And I don't, I could just be in for, it's like a, I'm like a vain groundhog, you know, I'll just see your reviews and I don't have to go outside for the next, you know, week. Isn't that how the groundhog does the spring, the winter? I don't know how it really works. I've never known, never known. Um, you guys, we have a Patreon on this podcast. That is how you support this show. That's how this show is sustainable. Patreon.com slash Bituation Room. 
for five bucks a month, a buck a month, 20 bucks a month. It entitles you to a bunch of perks like a bonus episode that we just recorded yesterday with Nato Green and the journalist and author Naomi Klein. It was so good. I'm also like deathly afraid of some of the prescient things that she said in it. Um, so definitely, if you're a patron, make sure you listen to that. And for everyone else, it'll be available on Tuesday, but you can listen to it now. Um, and if you are a tipper, you can tip the show, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. If you're a tipper, think about joining Patreon or Patreon, becoming a part of the Franny Pack, part of the Frantifa, because it's easier for me to communicate with you on Patreon. Like, it's so much easier. They've got, it's like a better system. I don't have to scroll through all the Venmo uh, BS and, you know, my boyfriend asking me for half of the groceries and shit, you know, like that. And when you're like, really, this is all evening out, you know, because I when, what are we doing here? Um, but we can directly talk to one another. And if you have tipped $20 or more, you also, I want you to have access to that, those early bonus episodes. So make sure you remind me, um, final little note on that. I'm going to do an AMA, ask me anything for people and patrons who are 20 bucks and above. There's not a lot of you, which is why it's special because I don't like people, um, but I like you. <laughs> I don't like answering questions, but I take your questions. 20 bucks or more, if you want to up it, uh, ask, do, get, let's, we're doing an AMA. I'm postponing it a week. It'll be next week, March 8th, uh, International Women's Day. So, hey, get your questions for this international woman of mystery. If you want to send me your questions and you're a big tipper, uh, bishiation at gmail.com. Bishiation. That was the only thing available was bishiation. Let's put it up on the screen here. But for those of you who have, and this is, I promise, the last thing I'm going to say, those of you who have joined Patreon, those of you who have tip big, you know what time it is. It's time for the fart song. <laughs> I got to get through this. Okay. Uh, thank you so much to Sarah W., Charlie B., David R., Juan L., Michael R., Victor W., Lars B., Big Tippers, Robert G., Susan Zen B., Cameron T., and Twitch people. I have not forgotten about you. Nano Dragon, Damit Kebab, E.K. Greens, Dean Obier? Pete Hogg, Stepmont12, Jay Putnam, tell me what to put, Pot the Frickin' Dragon, LT Mac, T Bren2725, Full, Full Plaid, Miss Kaylee, Hot Meter, Ack the BBFT, Jammed Tom B63958, Maldito1308, Luke081288. Thank you. <laughs> that was perfect. Really appreciate you being here. Really appreciate you being a tier one subscriber. And without further ado, let's just start bitching, baby. Let's get into it. I'm going to make this real brief, but real honest. Democrats, it's been 38 days and we can officially say you're fucking up. That's right. Uh, I've been very hesitant and reticent to call out the Democrats. I want to give them a chance. I want to give them some time. We, we have a new administration. You got to find out where all the bathrooms are in the White House. You know, got to figure out where, you know, like what's the good number two one. You know what I'm saying? Not anymore. This was the week uh, in, in addition to a lot of things where we introduced migrant children detention facilities which are supposedly better than, I guess they are better than just like holding them in an old like Walmart. 
but still we have detention facilities for children rather than, you know, allowing them to be united with their family members that they do have here. So there's that. Detentions have not slowed down under Biden. In fact, um, there have been a couple of cases, but they're continuing to roll on. Um, we bombed Syria this week. Hey, <laughs> that one's new. And by new, I mean old and very hackneyed and very boring. And I'm bored of bombing Syria. Can we not? Um, we also are backtracking on the $15 an hour minimum wage, which Biden secretly said that he didn't think would pass anyway. And lo and behold, the parliamentarian of the Senate, a job I never knew existed, uh, just some bureaucrat basically saying that, no, we're not allowed to put a $15 minimum wage into the $1.9 trillion stimulus package uh, that will relieve a lot of the COVID woes and help the restart the economy, um, really just like disaster relief. So looks like Democrats are obeying that and specifically leading Democrats, right? Um, like Kamala Harris, who, yes, it is within her power to override that parliamentarian as so many other administrations have done and say, thanks, thank you for your input, but we're going to do this anyway, because why? It's an emergency. Um, just for some context, Trump also passed a $1.9 trillion package uh, this same way through the budget reconciliation process. That was for a tax break to giant corporations and millionaires and billionaires. So we can do it for that bullshit, but we can't do it for this. And Democrats aren't willing to step, step their, stick their necks out, step on our necks by sticking their necks out. And it's all very infuriating. And we're going to see what happens this week. The House passed this $1.9 trillion budget, um, I mean, stimulus package with the $15 an hour minimum wage raise. Um, we'll see what the Senate does. We'll see if Kamala overrides um, the parliamentarian. We'll see if Bernie Sanders, you know, brings it in the budget anyway, just kind of how you sneak something in, you know, just like, oh, yeah, I've edited it as you wanted. <laughs> but I was speaking to Naomi Klein yesterday. And uh, when you guys listen to the episode, you'll hear this. And it was like keeping me up at night because she was like, I... I think it's fair to say that left to their own devices, this administration will be a one-term administration. And if they're not willing to go to the wall for working Americans right now, if they're not willing to rise to this moment, we're going to have the fucking, we're going to have the Trumpist back. We're going to have actual fascism. We're going to have a, what she called a reconstituted Trumpism back in the White House, back in power. And they're licking their chops for that. And we know that we have this moment. And I, we we can't let them fuck it up. We cannot let Democrats fuck up this moment. So whatever it means for you, getting involved, making calls, having your representative on speed dial, just doubling down on this moment. This is not the moment to take to Twitter to, to just sound off. This is a moment to be about it when we're trying to bitch about it, because these are the these are the people we have. These are the people we got to get out of the way. These are the people we have to push. These Democrats. Anyway, that is what I am bitching about. Ladies and gentlemen, let me know what you're bitching about in the comments. And without further ado, man, I'm just so excited to bring in my guest, one of my guests for the hour. You've seen him on Grace and Frankie, Corporate and Blackish, and you've heard his voice as Tom Servo on MST3K. He's the co-creator and host of Comedy Central's The New Negroes, and is the creator and host of the podcast Self-Core with Baron Vaughn. Please welcome Baron Vaughn. 
hello how are you doing <laughs> i'm so sorry to start in song but i sing all the time and cry seldomly so just after listening to what you had to say i was like time for a song for a song for my soul uh, i do that all the time do you have an animal you sing to i usually sing to my cat wow no i i don't have an animal anymore uh i've had many uh cats and dogs in the past even a few hamsters hermit crabs they like to stay alone <laughs> but funny if you practice your violin they will come out that's what i learned in middle school stop really no no i'm just making things up now but yes at the same time i really like the image <laughs> of you learning the violin to get a hermit crab out of its shell and it like dies before you're very good at violin <laughs> <laughs> you never heard me perfect my vibrato <laughs> It reminds me also of the guys who's the crab in in uh in SpongeBob who plays the littlest violin like <laughs> You're the voiceover actor who's the I never watched SpongeBob. I was not a spongy, uh a bobber. Um obviously I respect it as a, you know, a contribution to uh culture at large. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I did not soak up what the sponge had to offer. Neither did I. I was a little too old for it, but I respect it for sure. I'm more of a Ren and Stimpy gen, you know? Whoa, I'm... really? Yeah, that was my generation was Ren and Stimpy. Wow. Were you a big Ren and Stimpy head? Yeah. I wouldn't I mean, expect I, that. I love Ren and Stimpy. Oh, I had a Ren, I mean, a Stimpy doll. Love Stimpy doll. Oh, love no. Stimpy. Amazing. Yeah, what do you mean? No, no, I love no. Just people who like Ren and Stimpy tend to be um, crazy. <laughs> But uh, you're, you don't seem that way. I mean, I'm not like, I'm. yeah, like my favorite character was the horse who was definitely abusing oh. other animals. Oh. <laughs> no, no, it's true. No. Oh, oh he is. Uh, the creator is definitely effed in the head. Baron Vaughn. Yes. We start off asking our guests the same question every single mm -hmm. week, which is what are you bitching about now? I mean, so many things. It's uh, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, mostly, <laughs> I you know, it, it's it's interesting what you said about um, you know that comment about the uh, about the Biden administration uh, possibly being like a one term administration. Yeah. I uh, I've been just kind of digging into the eighties a lot more. You know, uh, I was alive, but I was quite young. So um, you know, I always understood that Reagan was. Um, What's that thing? What's the first part of that thing you put in your hair? Uh, a sham. Uh, and <laughs> I just am glad that there's been enough distance for people to kind of put the whole thing together and kind of, right? you know, and dissect what he did and all the different ways that he's done it. So I guess uh, the biggest thing I'm bitching about is uh, Reagan. <laughs> Reagan and Reagan's image as the Republican ideal, as the conservative ideal, you know. Yes. Uh, the 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 British have Thatcher, you know, and uh, we have Reagan. So I'm just kind of I'm I'm because I think we're in a time where everything that they set up, you know, all of the dominoes, all the the house of cards that they set up to benefit themselves, yes. has been blown over. Um, yes. you know, so I'm just kind of learning about how it all got put in the place to make sure, as they say, history doesn't repeat itself. Um, as we're you know, since we're in a, uh, such a fascinating historical time 
technically every time is historical, but anyway, that's what I've been. But that's what it, <laughs> it, it puts it in perspective because you're like, oh, no one's worse than George W. Bush. That was me sort of being politicized. And then now we're like, no one's worse than Donald Trump. And then you're like, oh, origin story of all these evil creeps. And even, you know, the villains of you know, neoliberal liberal liberals like uh, like Clinton who worship Reagan and even Obama like said, said a lot of positive things about Reagan. And you're like, no, no, no. Reagan was the inception of all of this bullshit. Well, I like, mean, they were the so fucking worst close to Reagan. I don't mean to say close to Reagan like like they like they, that was their boy. But I just right. mean that like. Now it's been long enough since Reagan's administration. I feel like that people are talking about it with like the gloves off. Yeah. But there's still this hero worship of yeah. this guy who <laughs> I want to say took one for the team. And uh, by that, I mean, you know, he took one against the American people uh, for the for the you know, for the for the prosperity of a very small group of people. That's why they yeah. like, worship this guy. What's crazy about Reagan, too, is you watch him speak and like him and Nancy and they're all so, you're like, you're like, what decade are we in? Because they do feel like they're from like the 40s or the 30s. But you're like, oh, no, no, it's the 80s. We're supposed to be like moving into this like decade of progress. And, you know, and and then we've got like this just super moralistic Christian conservative, like, you know, like grandparents who like, even though you're trying to explain something, can't hear what you're like, will not hear you <laughs> like that level of, well, of the retrograde. Way, the way that messaging as we know it today, especially when it comes to politics, I feel like now, you know, obviously Reagan wasn't the inventor, but he was the perfecter, you yeah. know, in a, in a sense. So it's kind of like, all of these systems that were put in the place, like Reagan was finally the person to kind of make it happen. And I feel like in a weird way, Trump is a similar thing for me, mm -hmm. um, except Trump is the, I would say the ugly beast <laughs> of the monsters that they were constantly, you know, uh, zapping with uh, cattle prods to make sure that they got, votes like all of these right they're like we're gonna let this guy out if you don't give us your we're gonna let him out well they've we're just about been, to unleash him this 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 con conflagration no i want to say conflation conflation is what i mean to say of like the of christianity right and these conservative ideas and then all this wealth disparity stuff so it's kind of like it's it's it never ceases to amaze me yeah. You know, that people will vote against their own interests, but it is from this emotional thing. It's from yeah. this emotional place. So I'm I'm an emotional person. <laughs> you know, I act. So I'm always like, what what happened to this character? And in this case, the character is uh the government, you know what I'm saying? Ooh, that's deep. That's I don't know if it was for my next act. Um Baron, I love it. I could talk about Reagan and shit, bitch on about him. That we need a whole separate bonus episode just to bitch about, about Reagan, Reagan mm -hmm. and Reaganomics and all that bullshit and bedtime for Bonzo. But we got to get into, this, <laughs> especially that. We got to get into the week. Um, yeah. We got we got to get to this. We got three stories. A lot of things happened, but three major things that I wanted to highlight for y'all. This is the week where. This was the week where 
the circus of aggrieved faux working class white people known as the Conservative Political Action Committee, or CPAC, gathered in Orlando to chart the future of the Republican Party. And like a bad car wreck or two elephant seals loudly mating, it's hard not to watch. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, you're there. You were, you're on the field trip. They're fucking in front of you. And you're like, um, the slogan of the conference has been America uncanceled, uh, which is ironic for a party that is so hell bent on the show of America ending like as soon as possible, <laughs> you know, just not stopping the pandemic, climate change, murdering unarmed black people, like storming the Capitol. Like they've been trying to get America canceled for a long time now. Um, some shit lights of the conference. There was a Trump statue that was made of gold and made in Mexico. Um, just like an abuela's crown filling. I find that very <laughs> cute. And then a lot of shitty statements. Uh, I'm just going to play a, a little sampling of them for you. They are trying to take away our rights to be able to defend ourselves. They're trying to make us become dependent on the government. They're trying to have indoctrination camps of schools. And the way they're trying to make us dependent on the government is through trying to say they want to get rid of all our student loans. They have recruited people on the Biden team. It looks like they, they casted everybody out of the Che Guevara uh, catalog or something. In my opinion, the real, the legitimate, and the still actual President of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Even though cases are plummeting and vaccination rates are surging, we are still banned from getting anywhere near our nation's capital. They were stripping Granny out of the COVID ward at the hospital and tossing her in the nursing home, just enough time to infect everybody and then go back to the hospital so that deaths could be recategorized for politics. Hunter Biden's laptop. And mark my words, 2022 is going to be a fantastic election year. And so is 2024 as we stand together and defend liberty, defend the Constitution, defend the Bill of Rights of every American. In the immortal words of William Wallace, freedom! I'm gonna, I, wow, oof. I wanna give that a Golden Globe. I wanna give that whole thing. I was gonna say. Best variety comedy and musical. <laughs> I think the Golden Globe goes to CPAC. My goodness. <laughs> that acting. I mean, Ted Cruz, my uh, producer Kate on Newsbrook always talks about Ted Cruz sounding like he's like in a third grade play. <laughs> and he's like, studied his lines really hard. Like, he's never not somebody else someone who he's like the real ted cruz is so is such slime he's so awful that Very he has much. to pretend to be somebody else all the time but i'm like like you wonder when the act drops like is he actually you know like you know what i'm saying like like please I know exactly keep acting because if you stop acting it's going to be bad you're just even worse well that's the show that they're doing though the show that they're putting on is uh, stay afraid you know stay afraid stay yeah. uh stand out and stand by that's the show that they're doing yeah. i also love that he um <laughs> my favorite thing about that he says in the words of the immortal william wallace freedom because at that moment i wonder if he went like wait a minute did he say what the line in the movie was and also, right. what is that line? He probably yeah. said freedom, though. No. Freedom! 
like that's that's how that's what I think happened right before you said that. Oh God, I I can think of nothing grosser than imagining Ted Cruz like war painted up. <laughs> And just like I, I feel like some of wasn't some of William Wallace like like t- uh, Mel Gibson's like titties were also kind of showing like just like little <laughs> little Ted Cruz titties coming out of that yeah. But he does get kilt. drawn and quartered at the doesn't he get drawn and quartered at the end of it? He gets, William Wallace. Yeah, he's quartered oh, yeah. by. I forget exactly how it went, but it's I all about seen Braveheart. Ever. Well, it is about uh, well, as far as I understand, it's about Scotland. Um, if I remember correctly, I think you are right. Uh, sound off in the comments if you feel like it's about <laughs> a different place. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, no, I feel like that's the only thing I want to see is uh, Ted Cruz drawn and quartered. I didn't say that, NSA. You Ooh. can't prove shit. Um, here's the thing, though. Uh, there was the big kahuna who did come back and speak on a national stage. Not his first time. He's been on Fox multiple times. But um, Trump spoke at CPAC and he brought mm, back all the mm, hits. Mm. He brought he said, like, they're bringing drugs like 12 times. And everyone was like, eh, just wasn't as good as the first time. <laughs> 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 he, but he did, it was like rapists talking about walls, talking about how, like, mm, you know, mm-hmm. l- you know, blue lives matter as if no one smacked those words out of his but mouth. He really, well, he really did a highlight reel of his own stuff, huh? He did. He did a medley. Mm. He should have done <laughs> it in song. But one bit. thing, <laughs> one thing he did say, um, one thing he did say was essentially that he's not ruling out the possibility of <laughs> running in the year 2024. With your help, we will take back the House. We will win the Senate. And then a Republican president will make a triumphant return to the White House. And I wonder who that will be. This is oh oh he's trying to Millard Fillmore it. That's the only <laughs> that's what I remember correctly. Uh, this was a president who had a break in the middle of their terms. No, um, he also this is what um, I heard this great interview with uh, Representative uh, Plaskett mm-hmm. about you know that's part of the reason that he should have been impeached. So this you know he cannot run again, and um, and then also like oh I mean it's scary. I think the world was watching and the world is continuing to watch, especially because I don't know if we're in the dark night of the soul or the quiet before the storm. Cause <laughs> I, I feel like we've passed this, we've passed the mid season peak yeah. and now we're about to meet like, you know, the, the white walkers or something. So I'm not exactly sure where we're headed, but <laughs> I hope long, we're not. headed to the long night. Oof. Um, yeah, it's, it, it is like, I fucking hate the guy. I don't know. I, <laughs> controver- controversial opinion. I fucking hate Trump. You, and like, I'm not done. I don't care what you call it. I'm, I'm not done with him. Because guess what? He's not done with us. That motherfucker and all of his little white supremacists, Nazi minions, all the, you know, militia groups, they're not done with this country. So like, I get people being like, I don't want to watch him anymore. And I'm sick of talking about Trump. Like, yeah, yeah, sadly, this is the fight of our generation. We get to fight this piece of shit. But I it's wish... not just him. It's not just him. Exactly. He is he is a figurehead. He is, you know, I mean, he's he's a symbol of the wave of hatred that has been, yeah. you know, 
and taking this country by tsunami. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like he's still around. That hatred is still around. Obviously, we're still in a pandemic, or as I like to say, Panny D, just to have a little fun. <laughs> but like, you know, just so it sounds like an early 90s rapper. But like, I, you know, we're still in this. So it's kind of like, kind of like, that's as articulate as I could be right now. No, no. And I, I wish and I wish Democrats understood that we are definitely not out of the woods. I think they need to know they have to deliver big and fast and like really do a 180 here and start to put together some ideas that are actually popular um, because we can't fight fascists without ideas. We need better ideas because they are winning this like 2D bullshit, you know, uh, like ideological battle of so-called cancel culture. Um which well, is it's so good sad. versus evil. It's good versus evil. They've still painted it into that corner. Red, blue, good, evil, up, down, you know, right. believer, non-believer. So they want yeah. everything to be this this dichotomy, you know, and they are, are brilliant at putting everything in that framework. Absolutely. And and I think the, the opposite can't be like, well, there's more shades of gray. Let's talk about the nuance. It's got to be like, no, here's what we actually stand for. We're anti-racist. Like, we believe Black Lives Matter. We believe it that you deserve $15 an hour or more. Like, you, there needs – oh, you call us socialists? Guess what? Maybe we are. So, suck it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the people need help. The people need yeah. help. These are yeah. literally the, the most desperate times that we yeah. could be in. And um, to have this election and the, the energy of that and to kind of just go back into a politics as usual. Well, you know, as usual wasn't great. Mm-hmm. So here, here we are in the middle of as usual again. Absolutely. And I, I do just want to say in response to one of those clips, uh, the Che Guevara catalog, <laughs> sign me up. Sign me up. I mean, honestly, I don't subscribe to any magazines. I want the Che Guevara catalog. That sounds hot as shit. Those are all my search terms right there. Like, if you just give me a catalog of just nothing but hot Latino revolutionaries, <laughs> I'm I'm there. Sorry. <laughs> I'll say I've ordered from the catalog and my beret <laughs> came in like a little early. I'm really happy with it. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, we got to move on to the next story. God, we could talk about CPAC again for forever. But uh, more horrible things happened this week. This was the week where Republicans reminded the American people that despite everything going on in the world, climate change, a pandemic that's killed half a million people, rampant unemployment, they are the party that will forever be obsessed with your genitalia. Yes, the party is more obsessed with your sex parts than actual sex parties. Um, Senator Rand Paul uh, grilled nominee Biden's nominee for assistant health secretary, Dr. Rachel Levine, who is trans with questions about hormones for minors and called it genital mutilation, which sounds oh. exactly like a guy who hasn't been able to find his own balls in years. <laughs> <laughs> also, Representative Marie Newman and Representative Marjorie Facebook mom Green spoke on the House floor in support and opposition, respectively, of the Equal Rights Act, which is um, an expansion of the Equal Rights Act to include LGBTQ people, um, preventing them from discrimination in places of business. Um, And Representative Newman has a daughter who is trans and hung a trans pride flag outside of her office. And then Marjorie Taylor Greene sort of responded by getting a sign printed that says very subtly now, um, there are two genders, male and female. She just posted that up outside of her office. Like, look, I don't want a Kinko's shame. 
<laughs> uh, dad puns. <laughs> I'm amazed that she didn't yell read between the lines when she hung that up. Uh, that's <laughs> horrifying. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. I mean, it's just at what point do we just realize the Republicans are the party like they're just mad that people get to live their lives, you know, it, like, yes, yes. They want to control. I mean, it's that body control stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like, wait a minute. You want to feel safe in your body? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I don't feel safe in mine. So you, everyone feels like me. That's what I don't know. What's uh, they feel perfectly safe in their body. They only care about regulating people's bodies. If you're not a straight white male, that's it. I, I mean, I would I would say that, you know, I would argue that their obsession is the is the proof to me that they're they're not uh, comfortable in their own skin. I mm. guess you know mm -hmm. I don't know what that means for them, but I don't know why someone else seeking their own comfort is so threatening to them, and that's that's what it always comes down to. If everyone were comfortable and happy, Baron, there would be no more Republican voters. Like it Ooh. is a voting strategy. Like that's how they. How do you think they got the way they got? No, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. And happiness that's why is a gateway drug to voting for Democrats. And <laughs> and it well, and it and it definitely doesn't give the rewards it should. <laughs> no, 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 no. That is very, very true. Again. Uh um, I have a solution though. I don't know what you think about this solution of for transphobes in uh Congress. I mm. think we should throw a gender reveal party for Q. <laughs> Right. Wow. wow. Just a big, elaborate party full of like really shoddy fireworks and rockets in, in a bunch of dry brush. <laughs> Marjorie, wow. Marjorie Taylor Green can launch the rockets, bring all the QAnons to the yard, have the gender reveal, and just to see what happens. Wow. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I I can't endorse that idea. I see where you're going with it. <laughs> I, feel like I still want to be employed. Yeah, yeah. And no, employable. No, no. I just want I don't want things to burn. That's that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> you're like, not in California. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, one more story to get to, and we will bring in our guest, Alex, because I know it's getting late for him. Um, <laughs> this is the week where we discovered that not only, as we've said on the show, is Andrew Cuomo not your boyfriend. <laughs> but that's not for lack of him trying. Um, two former staffers have now come forward this week to give their accounts of working for Cuomo. One woman worked for him last year in the height of the COVID crisis and said he made her feel uncomfortable by asking her if she's ever been in a relationship with an older man. Huh? And another, <laughs> I don't, I can't do that. That's exactly how it was said anyway. I, <laughs> yeah. Why not? Why don't you try it? Oh, well, you don't know what you're missing. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. So with the bad. intensity with the intensity. Right. Just like the sort of like lazy, angry eyes. <laughs> lazy, lang langry. That's what I will call it. So langry. Um, Lindsay Boylan, another woman who came forward, who was his mm. chief of staff um, at the State Economic Development Agency and is also running for Manhattan Borough president right now, um, said that. Mm. He asked her to play strip poker with him, was told he had a crush on her by her boss, and when they were alone, showed off his cigar box that Bill Clinton gave her, gave him. Um, 
super classy. I think we know what he meant. And then eventually did non-consensually kiss her on the mouth. And I'm wow. just going to say, I've never been more confident of anything in my life that this is just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> of, of, I'm so positive. There are many oh, more women who've been harassed by Governor Cuomo and maybe men, women who like sleep, slept with him, actually, uh, because hashtag not all Italian men, but hashtag a lot of Italian men. Oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, I I'm happy that these people have come forward, at least, you know, and I hope it definitely <laughs> does embolden more people to come forward. I uh I wonder what it means for Chris, though. That's the only that's my that's my that's my. I know what's Chris going to do with his little like sort of stunned baby blue eyes as he's there in the <laughs> staring into the CNN camera like. Uh, my brother, but um, yeah. he has a way with women. What do you want me to do? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> These impersonations are um, frighteningly accurate. I, I... <laughs> You're just being a very generous laugh bear. And I think we all know that. Um, but it's like he's it is gross, though, that this comes after just like him being lauded as like everyone's daddy like just like covid daddy grossness and <laughs> you know it was my opinion that i always thought that the, the praise that was being heaped on him was so uh extra and i just wonder if people were enamored with someone who made sense that was on television at the time like who seemed right. like they were in charge of things and by comparison like he looked fantastic compared to a lot of other images that we were seeing at the time Totally. Um, but that's why I'm like, all right, let's just step, take a step back and remember politician is going to politician. Yeah. And he's super Trumpian in that way. They have that sort of New York. I get what I want. I get pizza at 3 a.m. I get a girl at four, you know, like it's. <laughs> I want pepperoni and Bobby. <laughs> got you. Got you. See, that was so seamless. It just seems like it's me and you. That's why. That's why I'm so. I'm so. Uh, uh, you know. I'm. I'm laughing a lot because. Don't like, worry. In the, we're gonna cut this video up, and there'll be plenty of trolls being like, "He did nothing wrong." Oh, prove goodness. it. I'm also like, you know, because uh, I, 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 I'm curious about this uh, dichotomy stuff. I had mentioned this before. Um, I'm sorry. Are you. I, I'm kind of like. I feel like I'm curious because i know that we have this uh this guest coming up pretty soon i don't want to like you know take too much time well, you stuff. can be curious but be curious quickly you know what i mean <laughs> well now that you said that um <laughs> no it's just thinking about like um where alternatives to the things that we have i guess is what i'm talking about you know like it's it's hard to envision things outside of everything that we already have and yeah. either the things we have work or don't work but uh you know taking a kind of a bigger approach or a bigger lens at it um yeah. is a hard thing to do that's why i keep going back to history so like this uh cuomo dude <laughs> you know mm -hmm. long line long line of uh idiots in that house that he lived in yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, we need to move beyond these legacy politicians. And I feel like, especially in New York and places that seem so entrenched, and the fact that AOC was able to break through in, exactly. in New York is just like, oh, damn, you just broke this 
what seeming stranglehold, political stranglehold. Um, and, and identifying herself as a party that has a word in it that people are like, you know, psychologically allergic to. So it's kind of like <laughs> we need other ideas besides these two pillars, you know, and, and just the same kinds of people over and over again. Absolutely. Um, well, I want to. I do want to think big. I think that's what I love about this podcast is bringing in guests who can help us sort of think, think beyond sort of the everyday shit. Nathan G, thank you for the super chat. Trump is going to be in so much legal trouble coming up soon. Sorry, Fran, but yeah. Biden will destroy the GOP next term. Maybe. I think, I think he might even be prohibited from running because of the legal trouble. That's um, the hope. He's a private citizen now, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. Absolutely. And so we also have a small window to, uh, you know, prosecute the shit out of him. <laughs> uh, Darren, thank you so much. Uh, George W. Bush says that's a twist or George W. Bush. That's the twist. He's going to be back for scenes and tea with President Harris. Please. No, 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 no. <clears throat> Hell no. Um, William Moore says Cruz looks like the dude at the strip club that you can tell is about to spend his mortgage payment on Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that look is. I don't know what that face is, but I think um, like chump is what we're going for. And I definitely agree with that. Uh, thank you when guys hits so the much. Stage, he goes, freedom. <laughs> <laughs> he's dancing with JLo, who's about to rob him for everything he's worth. <laughs> freedom! A well-deserved yeah. robbery. Yes. Uh, all right, you guys. Remember, you can become a patron. Patreon.com slash room or tip the show TBR-live on Venmo, TBR-live on Cash Up. And without further ado, we got to talk about uh, envisioning uh, a country that goes beyond this, this hyper-militarized police force that we've got that is ever more out of control and picking up on the movements of last summer. We're in a new year, but this issue is not going anywhere. So we, it, it's time to think creatively and think big about it. Uh, this is The Sitch. He is a professor of sociology and coordinator of the Policing and Social Justice Project at Brooklyn College, as well as a visiting professor at London South Bank University. He has spent the last 30 years writing about policing and consults both police departments and human rights organizations internationally. His book, City of Disorder, How the Quality of Life Campaign Transformed New York Politics and, and the End of Policing is available now. Please welcome Professor Alex Vitali. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for being here, Alex. You bet. My pleasure. Uh, so I, you know, we talked a little bit about CPAC. Let's just jump right into it. One of the things we kept hearing um, out of the mouths of everyone, you know, from Jim Jordan to, to Donald Trump was this faux fake respect for uh, police officers, Blue Lives Matter, law and order, blah, blah, blah. And for me, looking back on January 6th, I feel like there was this to me, like a psychic break around that narrative of who actually cares um, for police, uh, respects law uh, as rioters storm the Capitol and as especially like black police officers were um, particularly embattled by this white nationalist force. Um, what are what do you feel like that just January 6th, since it's the most recent thing that happened, what has that done for you? How does that fit within your understanding um, of of policing in this country and the sort of the narrative, the, the, the myths we tell ourselves about the police. Well, I hope it's really the end of this kind of blue lives matter uh, narrative that's been used. And, 
you know, it really shows that that for these hardcore conservatives, there's no one they won't throw under the bus if they think they can get, you know, some enhancements to the Second Amendment or another tax cut for the rich. That just the utter hypocrisy of, of these movements and their willingness to, to use police to, to advance their conservative agenda. And I think, you know, we've heard all this talk about the solution to this is to strengthen anti-terror laws and to round up the insurrectionists and get them incarcerated. But, you know, what about the people attending CPAC who basically put this in motion? Yeah. You know, the, look at someone like Robert Mercer, right, who's a key figure in supporting right-wing media. He's also invested in private prisons. So he'd like nothing better than to see insurrectionists you know, round up, put in private prisons that he makes profit from and just keep the cycle going again. And that he radicalized on Breitbart. Yeah, there's no there's no accountability for those people. There's no accountability for the members of Congress who whip this thing up and who are benefiting from it. And so I think, you know, we need to rethink this idea that if we just beef up the Capitol Police, bring in the National Guard and throw a bunch of people in jail, that this is going to fix this deep political problem that really lies at the fe- at the feet of the of the billionaire class. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's been coming out as folks have been arrested is that the percentage of law enforcement that was among the rioters, former current, um, was huge. Like it's way it's something like 14 or 15 percent of the arrests. Um, and we know that the Oath Keepers is a group of a right wing militia made up of former law enforcement and military folks. What does that tell you about policing in this country and where we and how does that square with some of the work that you've already done? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing new about this. The connection between police and extreme right wing movements, whether it's the KKK in the South, the John Birch Society, I think they estimated about 25 percent of John Birchers were police officers. Police have been important membership blocks in anti-communist movements and and other kinds of of, uh, white nationalist movements over the years. So I think we we just have to understand that this is baked into the institution of policing, that when, when we create an institution that is functionally about being violence workers, that's what distinguishes police from other parts of government, that authorization and capacity to use violence. And that produces a kind of worldview that's that's us against them, that's about the way we solve problems is through threats and coercion. Mm-hmm. And it just aligns perfectly with these right-wing movements. And so, you know, we're not going to fix this by rooting out the QAnon people or rooting out, you know, the folks who are in these militias. Let I mean, I'm all for doing that in a sense, but it's not going to fix the problem because these institutions just generate people with that mindset, even if they don't have it when they go in the front door. Right. It's sort of like uh, like uh, they scatter back into the walls, <laughs> like like cockroaches. You shine a light on them, and then they kind of run away, and then a couple generations later, a new iteration of them shows up. Cockroaches are going to do what cockroaches are going to do. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> I have to turn my mic down because most of what you're saying, I'd be like, yes, amen. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying not to be too loud. Cockroaches are, are good people, as I feel like Carlin said about chickens, man. Like, like I wouldn't even 
Wally changed my feelings on cockroaches. So I don't know, but like Ted Cruz is definitely way worse. Um, I yeah, I mean, I think one interesting one interesting thing is around, and this is goes to some of your arguments. I think that you laid out in the book that um, it's time to actually rethink the role of police altogether and policing as um, as a concept because also of its racist origins um, and the way that it's there it's utilized but in terms of reforms i think one of the things that like my question is are we beyond reform because i think that some of the some of the research that i've done since this is is showing that like all of the sensitivity trainings racial justice awareness in police departments around the country they don't even use language like racism they don't say the word racism they they just talk about some people uh, uh come from different experiences like and it's really really lightweight and or um is also being run by people who in private have been sending like racist text messages to their friends it does not like those systems that are supposedly designed to make the police forces better aren't actually working correctly could they work better. I think it's a mistake to believe that we can somehow fix policing with, with some kind of sensitivity training or, or really even enhanced oversight. You know, the, the officers that were involved in the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis, they, they had had a whole group of these reforms that had come out of the Obama administration. They got implicit bias training. Yeah. They got de-escalation training. They got mindfulness training. They were wearing body cameras. They had a new use of force policy that emphasized sanctity of life. They had a new oversight mechanism, and, and none of it made any difference. You know, his life just didn't matter to them. And we're not going to fix that with some some training, especially yeah. so, something ridiculous as implicit bias training. And it just doesn't matter how well it's implement, implemented. All the studies show it doesn't work, and it couldn't possibly work because it it just imagines that this is like accidental unconscious racism by a few individual officers, which ignores the explicit racism, mm -hmm. the structural racism, and the way in which our politicians have created a racist mission for the police. But that would undo their entire point. <laughs> to, to, to teach them that it's like a kind of a, Oh, like the matrix would open up. That's why they can't even talk about any of these things. Yes, they would have to take the blue pill, and that's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that it's it is so simple, and yet we are sort of like working around and like holding hands of like very afraid white people who don't even like, and people of means who don't even see police in their day to day lives. You know, they have no ex interaction. Um, with police because they're not living in the neighborhoods that they occupy. They're not living in the neighborhoods that they are, yeah, like an occupying militarized force. My question is about that militarization. Is there a way we can walk back some of the extreme militarization that's happened in the last few decades, you know, or is that impossible with such a generalized militarized society? I'm still trying to find reform, you know, st these steps of like, can we at least not give them tanks? I mean, I'm for that. And and that was one of the things that sort of Obama put a limit to. And then Trump said, now it's okay to give them tanks. And now right. Biden said, well, now we're not going to give them tanks anymore. But 
we're still going to give them 99% of what they were able to get under Trump. But it's not, for me, it's never just about the hardware. I mean, we do need, Biden could just very quickly quit giving this military surplus stuff, much le- and plus all the Homeland Security grants that allows them to buy the stuff. Mm-hmm. But part of it is much bigger. It's when the politicians tell the police to wage a war on drugs and a war on crime and a war on terror and a war on immigrants and a war on gangs and a war, you know, th- this means there's going to be abuse. This means it's going to fall disproportionately on the most vulnerable and the most non-white communities. And and you just can't fix that with just some talk about a change in the technology. We got to get rid of these wars. We got to declare peace and we got to approach the problems in our society in different ways. Fantastic. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. Thanks. I mean Obviously, we know one of the the BS excuses that some Democrats put up for why they lost House seats was around the slogan of defund the police, which we know actually the movements around George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's murders helped Democrats, helped energize a voting base. Um, But that slogan, right, like it is it's so tame. It really is tame. It's so like if we could like it is. I mean, the rest of the slogan is just and redirect to social services that actually might, you know, help stop uh, so-called crime. Um, So I guess maybe just your thoughts on that in terms of like the prospects of defunding the police. Where would you you have the control of a city budget Stop crime, Alex Vitale, go. Yeah, well, there's some great plans out there and amazing work happening all across the country. And each community needs to have a specific plan that addresses the specific dynamics in their location. Uh, I've been working with uh, Tiffany Caban, who's working for city council here in New York City, uh, with the support of the Working Families Party and DSA. And she's laid out a very specific plan that encompasses the specific needs of the district that she's running for, Mm -hmm. creating family support centers to reduce intimate partner violence, creating violence interrupters to work with young people, creating baseline mental health services so that people don't have a crisis that requires that the police get involved, bringing more counselors back to our schools and creating services for young people and their families, right? Because a lot of the problems in school start at home or start in the community. So we got to think more broadly about these things, creating some supportive housing for people. And that's what we've seen going on uh, since this summer. You know, Austin taking money from the police budget to put it into buying affordable housing, taking money from the LA police budget and putting it into creating emergency mental health services for people. This is what the movement's asking for. We're we're making steps. No one thought over the summer that we were going to change the politics of the presidential race, that this was going to, we were going to convince everyone in three months. This is about real grassroots on the ground organizing at the local level, mm-hmm. talking to our friends, talking to our neighbors about what these alternatives are and could be. And this is going to take time. Absolutely. And shout out to the BLM movement here in L.A. I mean, these are organizers that have put the city budget, you know, something that otherwise would seem sort of really unsexy and wonky and weird. You know, they've put it right in the middle of their of their um, work and have successfully made gains and gotten these wins. And Measure J here passed 
moving 10% of general funds um, into alternatives to policing. I guess my question on you, I love the specifics that you just laid out. Is that not community policing? What's wrong with like community policing and that whole, that framework that (laughs) the question is what value does having a violence worker involved add to addressing each of these problems? And it turns out having a violence worker involved is actually an impediment to resolving Hmm. a lot of these things, right? So someone's having a mental health crisis they don't want to get arrested or be forcibly taken to a hospital or be brutalized. And so when they're confronted with a police officer, this can actually destabilize the situation and make violence more likely. Right. And a young person who spends their day dealing with violence at home, violence on the street, being demeaned and demoralized and humiliated, and now the face of government is an armed police officer who's often the one who's been humiliating and demeaning them. This is just going to make them more angry, Mm. more likely to be at war with, with the world, with the police, everything else. So let's empower communities. Let's give them resources. Let's let them make decisions about how to address the problems in their communities. And when we do that, we turn, it turns out policing falls way, way down at the bottom of the list. And let's just do that until we can see what the limits of that are. Yeah. It's never put on equal footing with other needs of a community. It's suddenly like, oh, well, and, and suddenly decision making is out of your hands. It's like, well, this is the untouchable giant budget. Meanwhile, everyone else has to scrounge around and other things that actually, and I know we've talked about this and everyone knows this, that actually provide real safety, housing, food, um, some kind of semblance of a, an actual community. Oh, parks, uh, clean air, water, et cetera, that's all by the wayside. But it, it really, I mean, if nothing else, put it on equal footing, measure it with other things. You know, Oakland, the, in Oakland, California, they spend 45% of the local budget on policing. And the community has been demanding for years that they have this dramatic rethink of the city budget. And as you pointed out, I mean, this is about normal politics. It's about going to budget hearings and lobbying city council people and coming up with alternatives. Yeah. And people are doing that. In Oakland, they just released an amazing plan Um that lays out the specific new investments they'd like that they think will make their community safer than they are under a system in which police get all the money. Yes. If they stop buying tear gas, (laughs) (laughs) I've I've faced the OPD tear gas. It was not fun. Um, I mean, it's outrageous that that those chemicals are, uh, prohibited by international treaties it's a war crime to use those chemicals on the battlefield and yet we're using them against our civilian populations but like you said if you declare these areas uh you know war zones and then these the the psychology is you know these are criminals you know i am in an i am in a war area i'm in enemy territory and all that Mm -hmm. And it is not a good, uh, as a person who grew up in a neighborhood like that, uh, it is not a good feeling to walk out the door and be like, I'm in danger, <laughs> you know, just from going out, just to go outside. Um, but that psychology just wears on you and wears on you and wears on you. 
you, you don't feel like you have a legitimate claim to the autonomy of your body. Absolutely. Of, of the of the legitimate right to be in space, to move freely. I mean, these are core constitutional rights that are routinely denied large swaths of the population. Yeah, we've we've just been talking. We'd been talking about earlier about people, uh, the GOP, or wanting everyone wanting to regulate people's bodies, and uh, and also about Reagan. Um, well, you mentioned John Birch, the John Birch Society, a little bit <laughs> yeah. earlier too, which 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 brings back the Reagan thing. And I was also thinking about the whole, you know, was it the the moral majority and all of that kind of that messaging and how these things again, because I'm I'm curious as your your um you know your thoughts about that in terms of like how this becomes a moral yeah. obligation to protect. You know, I had, a, I had a T-shirt in the early '80s that said "Reagan hates me" with a scowling Reagan face. That I think I bought at a Dead Kennedy show or something uh, back oh, yeah. in the day. <laughs> and you know, there's just there's this new research that shows that the the Reagan supply side tax cuts for the rich have done nothing to reduce inequality, to bring up the bottom, just the opposite. They directly contributed to mass homelessness, mass untreated mental health and substance abuse problems and all the rest. And then those problems were turned over to police and labeled problems of moral deficiency. They're not the result of market failures or government austerity. They're the result of individual and group moral failure, which is usually racialized. And then we're told because it's moral failure, the only thing we can do is coercive interventions, the broken windows theory, mass incarceration and all the rest. Yeah. I blame that, that tough on crime dog that I grew up. (laughs) Who's that McGruff? (laughs) Yeah. Fuck that guy. Fuck McGruff. (laughs) Propaganda. (laughs) Propaganda. That was like. Propaganda. Oh, copaganda. Propaganda. It's so much, so much. I mean, I w- I was born in eighty three, so it's like the big, you know, the Reagan was not president, right? Yeah, he was <laughs> president in eighty three. Yeah. Oh, was he? Damn it! Uh, but cool, <laughs> cool, cool. But yeah, that was sort of you know you get indoctrinated early as to, and I feel like, look, I'm not a true crime person, but I feel like all those crime, all the bullshit crime shows mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. also. I mean, ad- cops, of course, but like there was a cultural. Um, it uh, campaign to do exactly what you're saying, Alex, in terms of making it a moral thing. What's wrong with this person? What drives someone to steal? You know, like what's wrong with their brains? You know, uh, we always think about that. There's, it's, um, I mean, it's yeah. They should just say no. Why can't they just say no? You know, yeah. and some of these some of these early cop shows, including cops and live PD, they're co-produced with police departments. Oh yes, that's right. Right? That's these right. are yeah. that Hollywood has worked with police departments to create this copaganda that's designed to legitimate policing in the eyes of the public in the wake of things like the Watts riots, when you get like Adam 12 in these shows. And then after Rodney King, you mm. get a whole nother wave, including cops of these shows that are designed to restore public trust in the police. Mm, 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 mm. See, we, we hate, it's like uh, people tend to distrust police, doctors and lawyers, but boy, we can't stop watching them kiss. We, <laughs> if, if, 
if they are kissing every Wednesday at a certain time, we're going to be there. Uh, especially doctors. Um, Alex, not going to lie. Uh, I, you make all the sense. All of this feels so we're there. Everyone is there. And I think that we for, we lose sight that the majority, I think, of Americans have this argument has already been won. Yes, redirect these these necessary these critical funds from the police into social services into community safety real community safety um but then we've got the right then we've got the bullshit culture war that again the seeds planted in reaganism that we're now bearing all this bullshit fruit how do we break through that or do we just ignore it and do better well i think i think we should start where we have a base which are in the big democratically controlled cities. And these mm. democratic mayors have been as much of a problem as Republican senators have been. They, because they too have embraced austerity. They too have said, well, you know, no one wants to be Detroit. So all we can do uh -huh. is subsidize Amazon and give tax breaks to the rich and make some downtown real estate deals in, you know, with the same supply side, pushing wealth up the ladder mindset yeah. that then produces the homelessness and the, the drug markets and all the rest. And then the police are putting a lid on that for them. So police are serving a function for them. Absolutely. So that's why they don't want to hold them accountable. They don't want to defund them because then people would say, maybe we shouldn't be giving tax breaks to the rich. You know, this is why, you know, so Cuomo, I'm happy to pile on on the whole Cuomo thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Cuomo has never seen a problem. He didn't want to turn over to the police because he didn't want to actually take responsibility for solving the problem through appropriate political channels, like right. taxing the rich to create actual resources to fund schools adequately and create, you know, housing for people in need, et cetera. So he just unleashes more police and says, see, I'm in charge. And, and as Barron said Stop before, he's no better than Trump in this regard. Yeah. It's it's amazing uh, how they think that like and how it's true that a roof over one's head will politicize someone like once they stop fighting for uh. scraps, they're going to start thinking once they start getting an education. I mean, all of this is just we Americans are being treated I mean, it's a race to the bottom, right? It's like keep folks hungry, poor, scrounged, over-policed. And, you know, you don't want a robust middle class because a robust middle class is going to actually like lobby for on their uh, uh, like for their own interests. You know, if you have a roof over your head, if you, if you have food on the table, you're going to start to want a quality of life and you're going to make demands on the powerful. Alex Vitale, thank you so much for joining us. Can you stay for one last mini segment? You bet. He's like, nope. I have but 80 okay. questions, but some other day. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, you got to go on, on Barron's podcast now. That'd be great. Although <laughs> I'll email you. Connect y'all. All right. We're with all of that said, uh, we're going to switch gears and do something we rarely do on the Bituation Room podcast, which look, take a look at what is good. So this might be, this is my, this for me is the hardest segment to think about, uh, which is what is good. Um, Baron, do you want to go first? What's good? Just things that are like uh, fun and nice and that are enjoyable. Yeah. That are bringing me joy. Uh, yeah. 
Well, one thing that is bringing me joy is an anime series called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. That's very good. Um, I would also highly recommend we're talking about alternatives about how to see the world. Um, you know, a person who's getting a lot of heat, may she rest in peace these days, is Octavia Butler. So please, please, please check out the work of Octavia Butler. I would start with, um, uh, mm, damn it, what's that book I read? Now, now I said it and I can't even remember it, but go ahead. I you go started ahead. I'll come and didn't back finish it. Parable of the Sower. Um, oh, you didn't finish it? No, but but I think I'm ready to now. I'm really bad with fiction. No disrespect to Octavia Butler. It's me. It's not <laughs> any writer. I hate I'm bad with fiction. I'm like I'm I'm a horrible utilitarian when it comes to reading. It's stupid. You gotta make time for yourself, Francesca. That's what you gotta do. That's what you gotta do. I know. And the way I can trick myself is like, oh, it's it's good for expanding your vocabulary. That's like my brain will think that way. <laughs> like, oh, we read fiction because it'll be better for your vocabulary. No, it's just Vo- a good story. It's just a fun story. Exactly. It's a good fucking story. Um, okay, good. Octavia Butler, Jojo, and the was it called? Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Yes. Uh, okay. Alex, what is good? The the Schadenfreude count is good. I mean, <laughs> no. I'm really I'm really enjoying the the Cuomo comeuppance. You know, we we uh, I'm a state employee at the City University of New York. That's and right. We oh, had right. a contractual pay raise that was supposed to happen, and he just is refusing to pay it even though it's a legal contract. And so, you know, my beefs with him go long. Uh, I'm excited that uh, I have my um, appointment for my first jab, for my first shot. Coming nice. Up, you know, so that oh, I can wow. come back to teaching in person at some point. So I'm pretty excited about that. And my wife also, so that we can, uh, you know, come out from under our rock a little bit, uh, hopefully. And Dude, my mom is living her our- best life the prospect of our kids having like full-time in-person school, you know, before the end of the year would be amazing. That's good. That is good. Um, yeah, I was saying my, my, my mom is like crushing it on her social calendar. Not really. I just called her once and she was (laughs) indoors with friends and she's like, we're just hanging out. We're both vaccinated. I'm like, Oh, (laughs) damn it. Um, uh, someone, uh, Joseph Sage on YouTube. Cheesecake is good. Absolutely. Not if you're allergic to dairy. Why you got a parent? Okay. Oh, there no, never wants cheesecake. That, but- how's how's the uh, how's vegan cheesecake? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Kelly says it's good. She's thumbs up being vegan cheesecake. <laughs> uh, Muse Twal Muse Twal says my first haircut in for fifteen months. That must feel good. Mm. that must feel real good um uh, for me okay for me i said breakfast burrito last time and uh, it took me a while to think okay Uh bad bunny is good bad bunny is good that that feels wrong but it's right i like bad bunny i don't like all (laughs) his songs um but i like him a lot and he's awesome and i love his as a persona, as a singer, as a everything, as a rapper, as a like an icon. Hmm. Mm, okay. Uh, I like Bad Bunny. I like hikes. I went hiking last <laughs> week. This last week, I do. Stop laughing. I like hi- I like nature. I like trees, and I like sky. And it's funny that you think everyone likes that, but my boyfriend does not. He's just the whole time he's like, uh, 
and I, I just hear him whining. We've had so much snow here that we haven't been able to hit the trails, and we're really missing it. So I'm mm. hoping spring weather is coming soon. Yes, spring is starting is another comment. Coconut water, another comment. Uh, yeah, spring is, is really on February. Alex, don't get ahead of yourself. You're in New York. Spring spring doesn't start until June. <laughs> it's not so bad in New York. When I lived in New England, much worse. Oh, oh yeah. okay. I, same here. Same here. I've never lived in New England, thank God. But uh, hey, but I remember no, New York. Hard. New York was like it was cold until June, and then it was hot as balls. And you're like, what is? Where's the beautiful spring? <laughs> Everyone keeps talking about. Oh, it's that time when you're standing on the subway and the car's coming at you, and it blows that gust of the most <laughs> disgusting wind ever. And you're like, what a relief until, of course, you get into the car and you start coughing and you're like, hey, an empty seat. And then you sit and someone's like, it was wet. And you're like, I already know. <laughs> That's what I miss. That's what I miss. By the way, the name of the book I meant to say was Dawn. It's one word. <laughs> I, couldn't, Dawn. I couldn't remember it. Always hard. All right. I'm starting with Dawn. I'm going to read it. Alex Vitale, thank you so much. Where can people find your work? Uh, the End of Policing is available at Verso Books. Great. And you can find me on Twitter at A Vitale. A Vitali on Twitter, end of policing. Be very well. Come back soon. Um, thank you for this enlightening conversation. There's so much more to get to. And Baron Vaughn. Yes. Uh, where can people find you? Me. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> voice is. It's me being tired. Um, I'm on the Twits and the IG um, Instagram, right? I call it IG because people Ig. get IG. People get mad ig. They get so uh, ig on IG. They really what the fuck? They get, they get iggy with it. Um, uh, That's horrible. And also a JoJo uh, reference, right? Comments. Um, <laughs> So it's B-A-R-V-O-N-B-L-A-Q on both Twitter and Instagram. Also, check out Selfquar, my podcast, um, which also you can follow on Twitter and Instagram at Selfquar. Q-A-U-Q-U-A-R. Q-A-N-O. And wait a minute. No, okay. I, I started listening to the one of the episodes and I was like, oh my God, this is deep. It's very it deep. Really good. And and but I was like, I've I've got to work, but I'm I could like listen to this before bed, not in a weird way, but in just like a, <laughs> you know. Well, I hope so. I mean, to me, it's all the same thing. You know, we were talking about the policing before. Like I even think of that like the city as an immune system, and that Ooh. there are people who look at the rest of us as if we are the disease that they have to get these uh, T cells over here to get rid of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. With the well, the disease are the billionaires. Let's just agree on that one. Well, I'm saying they've turned the the police sometimes into uh, made us the disease. Is what I mean to say. Oh I, yeah, yeah. You can see how dark I got right COVID. at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the police are the <laughs> coronavirus or the T cells. I don't know enough about the human body. Have I mentioned I don't read? Baron Vaughn, <laughs> be very well. Um, take good care. Come back anytime. We'll love to be back. Thank you all for right. having me. Thank you. And for all of you. Oh, he's back. Oh, God. Oh, hey, I'm back. And we're like walking to the car in the same direction. Don't look. Um, we already said goodbye. So weird. Uh, thank you all for being here. Hey, become a patron. Just a buck a month, two, three, five, a coffee. That's about $5 for some reason in nowadays. Um, Patreon.com slash Bituation Room. And also AMA next week. Email me, Bishiation at gmail.com. Bishi, B-I-S-H-I-A-T-I-O-N. And uh, remember, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Otherwise, 
we gonna have this back and he is not running in a third party come on we're not starting new parties you know they kept saying he's going to start a brand new party we have the republican party it's going to unite and be stronger than ever before i am not starting a new party that was fake news fake news no wouldn't that be brilliant let's start a new party and let's divide our vote so that you can never win no we're not interested in that no damn it yeah we're so close all right you guys have a good night bye